Hi there, and welcome to my podcast by me, Jamie Serafi. This is the Serafi vs. Life podcast. Join me today for some truly scintillating conversation with, well, some of the world's most inspiring people. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of my brand new podcast, Serafi vs. Life. I'm Jamie Serafi, a composer, arranger, pianist, and saxophonist living in Calgary, Western Canada, originally from a small village called Presbury in Cheshire, about 20 miles south of Manchester, England. I landed in Canada in August 2015 with my long-suffering Polish husband, Kaz, and our pet cat, Trixie, and together we enjoy a delightfully beautiful new life here in Canada, surrounded by incredible scenery and even more incredible people. Full-time, I'm a musical entrepreneur. I run Cool Choir, an all-inclusive, non-auditioned adult rock and pop choir in Calgary across multiple locations. I welcome shower singers and car singers and, well, anybody who just loves to sing. I've met some truly interesting and inspiring people in my life, and at the request of many friends and family who, for some reason, believe I have the perfect voice, or do they mean face, for radio, I've launched this podcast to complement my public Facebook page, which you can find by searching Facebook Serafi Versus Life for more quirky offerings, including links to these podcast episodes. Well... I'm very excited to be kicking off the first episode of my podcast with the revered local Calgary broadcasting legend of 37 years. She's enjoyed a very rewarding broadcasting career at Global Television and News Talk 770. She's a wife, mother, huge community advocate, and now part-time radio producer announcer. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to my podcast today, Angela Cocott. Angela! (laughs) (laughs) Well, hello, Jamie. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Whenever I hear legend, revered, I just start to feel really old, but I I know you have said it with the utmost respect. Well, with age brings knowledge, with knowledge brings power, and with power brings wisdom. Remember that. (laughs) Okay, I feel better already. Thanks for that. (laughs) Well, actually, this is funny because there's a bit of a role reversal going on here now, isn't it? Because uh, you're normally the shoes on the other foot, as it were. Perhaps you'd like to explain to the listeners what I'm talking about. (laughs) Well, you know what? Uh, I'm trying to think how many years ago it was that I actually interviewed you. You were just starting out with your cool choir, and I thought, what a cool idea. And I remember interviewing you and then getting involved in your choir and um, I swear that's what is it Jamie is it four years ago five years ago yeah it would have been well either late end of December end of 2015 or January 2015 something like that yeah I think it was so um, that's how we came to know each other and you're right Um, after being a broadcaster host reporter and always having control of a microphone people always say oh let's try doing it the other way around and so uh, I'm a bit of a control freak but I'm handing the mic over to you (laughs) Okay, well, now I'm feeling the pressure again. (laughs) Now, obviously, you've had an illustrious career as a broadcaster, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a few moments. But tell us about yourself a little bit. So you obviously you've got your husband, Grant, you've got two kids, and you have kind of a host of activities that you do particularly centered around the community, I would say. 
Yeah, uh, you're right. Grant uh, was a longtime sportscaster here in Calgary, and we have two adult children. Uh, my son lives in Ottawa, and um, our daughter lives in Toronto. And all through my uh, broadcast career and uh, time here in Calgary, I, I came from parents who always volunteered, who were always involved in, whether it be the Knights of Columbus, the CWL, um, Meals on Wheels. So I grew up in a household of uh, making sure that you made time for your community. And I have just continued to do that. Um, COVID has changed so many things, unfortunately, but I continue to be the uh, president of our Rosedale Community Association. And now we just do all our meetings and business <laughs> over Zoom. And uh, prior to that, I was very involved in the uh, Special Olympics, um, which has a very special part in my heart. I love working with the kids. I was a, a swim coach for Special Olympics and, um, you know, also uh, took a run at politics with the Alberta Party. We can get into that later if we have to at all. But yeah, I, I do believe that that's what uh, makes a community better is instead of complaining about things, getting involved in things. And, you know, volunteering, as you mentioned, is something that you, you do a lot of. And since, certainly since I arrived in Canada uh, almost six years ago, I do notice that there is a huge emphasis on uh, kind of encouraging people to volunteer in all sorts of ways. I feel in many ways much more than maybe where, where I came from. That's quite a, uh, it, it's really held in very high esteem, this notion of sort of volunteering here, particularly in Calgary, I notice. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people will say, I think it was prior to the 88 Olympics, but definitely uh, the 88 Olympics, the Olympic Committee would go on and on about, wow, what a city that came together in volunteer capacity. And I, you know, I took on a, a volunteer role announcing at short track speed skating, knew nothing about short track speed skating, but I knew I wanted to volunteer with the Olympics. And I, I do think since then, um, there has, there's been this sense of volunteerism in Calgary, which I'd like to think sets us apart from other communities, but I'm sure someone listening would say, no, our community is just as involved, but definitely uh, giving back and volunteering because it's, it, it's not, whenever I talk about Special Olympics, people always say, oh, that's so great that you coach Special Olympics. And I always say, it's not as much for the kids, it's for me. They give me so much back. So I think that's in, in any really good volunteer capacity that you're getting just as much as you're giving. You do absolutely, and I know certainly through um, through the through the choir recently as well. We've we've done our best with the Calgary Food Bank. We we actually donated three hundred pounds um, of food from through the, through the choir to the to the Calgary Food Bank, and we raised over seven hundred dollars recently. So I I totally reason I'm mentioning it because I totally like I I totally get what you're saying about uh, you do it you know you do it you do it for other people, but you do it because it makes you feel feel good as well. Mm -hmm. No kidding. Yeah. And, and even when you think about the food bank donation, that was during a time when our choirs were um, reduced capacity. Um, sadly, ultimately, it went to Zoom choir practices. But still, even in that situation with the pandemic, uh, the choir was still able to raise that much money and uh, that that many pounds of food, if that's the proper term. 
yeah, and obviously you mentioned mentioned the, the the choir there as well. You have been a very loyal member of uh, Cool Choir, and uh, who knew that you enjoyed singing so much? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think my husband still is amazed when I have to practice, and I'm in the bass section, and so uh, Jamie does a great thing. We get all our soundtracks, and I know this isn't all about Cool Choir, but I, what I love about Jamie's Cool Choir is really, I grew up in church choirs. That was the extent of my love of singing, but uh, I, I'm no professional. And so Jamie does all these tracks. So when you practice a song as the bass section, I am just practicing my bass section. And uh, Jamie also does a lot of the arrangements, doesn't usually give the bass many melodies, which means the bass gets the bass. And so when Grant has to listen to me with my headphones in and I'm just practicing the bass of some song, <laughs> uh, I don't know if, if uh, he appreciates my singing as much as you do when we're all there as a choir. Think of the brain cells that you're engaging. I said, it's rather oh. like doing a, a crossword. If you sometimes, <laughs> when it's the easiest option, you see the sopranos can get, they get, the, they often get, often get the tune. So anyone that gets the tune doesn't have to work quite as hard. <laughs> Every cloud has a silver lining. That's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yes, I have large brain cells because of Cool Choir. <laughs> so going back but so you're going back to your rather illustrious career in broadcasting local news and obviously you mentioned the pandemic just now so do you well should I say have you ever really experienced anything like this in your time from a kind of a how if you like from a media perspective and thinking about how uh, the you know how how the situation is developed like de develops and how uh, they as a media outlet are whoever they are uh, is having to present that news to people have you ever seen anything like this in your time you know definitely not to this level the closest thing would be calgary's flood of 2013 and it just so happened our radio station was flooded and it was um, a number of weeks before we were we were even able to get into temporary um, uh, station. It wasn't even a, a regular station because our station had been damaged. Uh, but in that short period of time, I remember having to do my show, my afternoon talk show from my home. And we had the whole little radio station set up. And I often had um, uh, a weekly or a monthly visit from Mayor Nenshi, Calgary Mayor Nenshi, and at the time, Police Chief Rick Hansen. And so it was so unusual. Here I am working from home and they'd, uh, Mayor Nenshi had to come to my house. And so I made sure I made some brownies for them. Or So that was unusual. And we just thought, yeah, okay, you, you you did a couple of weeks of broadcasting from your home. Eventually, we were able to get into some temporary uh, station uh, surroundings. But who would think that now everyone, um, the, the radio station 770 CHQR, all the announcers do it from home. They have been broadcasting from home since March. And I fill in every now and then. I, I still, because I, I fill in on such an infrequent basis, I go into the station and I prefer it that way with the right uh, PPE and social distancing. But to think that we are now at a stage where I know some of the announcers are saying the audience doesn't really know the difference and you can continue to do a, a great talk show from home. And when I do fill in, I, I help behind the scenes in a producer capacity once a week and I can do that from home. So from the that's 
side of things. It's amazing how what was unique in 2013 during the flood has become commonplace. And, you know, uh, watching television news now, um, all the, the announcers will either are in studio social distance, but reporters out in the field are putting stories together through Zoom, you know, or with the hockey stick as the microphone. So we have become as broadcasters and then even as a viewing audience, you've almost become used to seeing it that way. Uh, so I, I really... It'll be interesting to see, hopefully by the fall, if things start to return to normal, I, I do think we're going to see a return um, from the television side back to the way you as a viewer are used to watching it. Um, I don't know from radio standpoint, there might be changes that we've seen that, that will just stay in place forever or for quite a while. So it really is interesting how it has changed the landscape and almost every field of work, including broadcasting. And you're right with regard to technology, because, you know, technology in one sense, it has come on a long way. And I, I always say, you know, everybody's a, uh, in every industry, I feel like it's kind of adapted to allow, um, you know, everyday use in some respects. So we, you know, we talk about being resourceful. And like you say, people are sat in their own living rooms now, uh, you know, producing and broadcasting. Same as such as I have to say that technology has come on uh, so much in the kind of the music world as well. You feel like, um, you know, everybody's, everyone's a composer now because you can buy software that kind of allows you to do that. And if you have to do this, you can do this and you can do it on a limited, um, but, you know, you can do it on a limited budget, but you can still create kind of, you know, amazing outcomes. So much so with uh, telephones as well, mobile phones, cell phones, every, everybody's a photographer now because, you know, technology has just become very universal um, in, in, in how it's used. But you mentioned the flood there of 2013. Now, that was before I arrived. And my only analogy is that the flood, because you mentioned people would gather in other people's homes. And like you said, uh, you had the mayor come to your place. You made brownies and all that kind of thing. And I feel like the flood is almost what happened. In that flood was almost like the pandemic, but without the virus scare. Is that, <laughs> is that accurate to say? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, at the beginning of the pandemic, I even uh, had my you know, Grant and I were talking saying, well, remember how our community came together during the flood? And, and so in those early, early days of the pandemic, um, yeah, so many similarities. <laughs> but, you know, really the flood in Calgary affected uh, a very small, in relation to the size of the city, a small area of the city. And so within a couple of weeks of the flood, when things got back to normal, a lot of the other parts of Calgary, you, you'd go to a, a grocery store um, further away from the Bow River and people would be kind of oblivious to, oh, right, we did have that flood, didn't we? So the difference with this pandemic, A, it's gone on way more than two weeks. And the fact that it's global is just mind blowing that no matter what I complain about a trip that I can't make, uh, around the world, people are complaining about jobs they've lost. And it, it's going to be a reference point for everyone, not just for Canadians, not just for inner city Calgarians, whatever disaster they've dealt with. So that's, that's where I think it's so hard sometimes to get our head around that this is going on for way longer than we think. And you were right in what you said a few moments ago, that maybe the fall, sort of September, if I'm going to become Nostradamus for a moment, I'm going to make a bit of a prediction. I feel like maybe things aren't really going to ease up 
potentially until sort of September, October time. I hope so, because the moment the prospect of continuing for years and years in front of a, a screen having to sing is, is just not viable, really. <laughs> Oh, I, I know. We, and a constant theme has been people's mental health. And I think the longer this goes on and then they start talking about the other variants, um, which concerns me that they may never, may never, they'll be even slower in easing up on restrictions. That That is a concern to me because I, I love being out, whether it be choir, I'm involved in a, a synchronized swim team. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of social things that... Uh, fills my soul I can imagine how difficult it will be for other people if this goes on for a, a real long time yeah and it's frustrating at this present moment in time at the point of recording this podcast in so much as it well it's January 2021 um, and the current restrictions actually gyms are not allowed to be open however what I find incredible is that I can book a massage from as of from last week where somebody is physically touching me for an hour an hour and a half I can go and get a piercing, I can go to a nail salon, but I can, I can go get a tattoo, but I can't stand in a church 10 meters apart with a mask on and sing. Crazy. Yeah. And I, and I think that's what any politician and health official is struggling with, because the longer this goes on, the more you'll hear from people saying, okay, what about my sector? You've got to prove to me that it's spreading in my sector and why am I being affected? So I think that is the concern. And, you know, I'm a, a big member of the Y in Calgary and uh, that was a huge outlet for me as well. So they had huge health protocol in place and uh, still they're not allowed to operate. And I, I think that's, that's going to be a, a big impact on people's mental health as this drags on. Now, you mentioned earlier on your sort of step into politics briefly as well. I know that you, in recent years, you joined a member of the Alberta Party. So perhaps you could tell us a little bit about the, the, the Alberta Party. I was thinking if, uh, if, if Cool Choir were a political party, maybe with the equivalent, I think, about diversity and being all inclusive and all that kind of thing. So tell me a little bit about your, um, you know, your experience there with the, the Alberta Party. The Alberta Party came at a time in my life when I just retired in 2018 from full-time broadcasting, and uh, Greg Clark was the leader at the time. I always respected Greg Clark. The Alberta Party was the only centrist option out there. We have the NDP, and it's now the UCP. At the time, it was still uh, the Progressive Conservative Party of Alberta. Uh, but at the time, I, I, I didn't find a home for my vote. I felt I was definitely fiscally conservative, but I was socially progressive. And I didn't find a place where the NDP to me was too far left. Uh, the PCs had lost the progressive side. So the Alberta party was a fairly new party. And I always respected Greg Clark when I'd interview him because he always came from uh, more, less confrontation and more collaboration, more cooperation. So when I retired in 2018, Greg had approached me and said, Angela, there's no one running in your riding. Would you consider carrying the banner for the Alberta party? I was a realist knowing that the chances of winning were slim, but I thought it was important, again, back to some civic duty or being involved in your community, that I thought the people in my community needed to know, if you're not sure, if you don't wanna go right or left, um, there is a center option. 
Uh, sadly, as the as the campaign went on, as we got closer to the uh, vote of 2019 in April, you could tell at the doors we were becoming such a divided province, and we still are, and we probably will be for another couple of uh, election cycles. So it's unfortunate, but. Um, <laughs> I'm happy to know that I, I had more votes than the liberal leader did. He was running in my riding and which also is kind of sad because to me, uh, the liberal vote should go in the center and the liberals will never survive in this province, but they'll continue to try to say that they've got to be here. They'll never survive in Alberta. I wish, I wish the center would come together. I'm not as involved in the Alberta party as much anymore, but I still believe it would be nice to see a strong center option. Absolutely. And I suppose all will be revealed over the coming months or yeah. you know, period of time. Uh, but I, I'm just uh, going to be closing up in a few minutes here, but I actually do have a couple of questions as well that I um, I, I, I thought might be, uh, I hope I don't tell you, I'm going to catch you unaware here, but I, as a broadcaster, you have been obviously for 37 years, you were um, in that, and oh, you still are in, in that field. And I always wonder, do you have any particularly uh, memorable moments or stories during your career? Maybe you had a, a particularly uh, difficult, awkward guest or interview, or you have to somehow cope with rude callers uh, and all that kind of thing, and how you handle all that kind of thing, because it must be very awkward at times. And I often wondered how, <laughs> how, how you continue to be such a consummate professional through all that <laughs> well you know i mean when anyone ever asks me a favorite moments or whatever you think oh my gosh this is like picking a favorite child it would be like me asking one what's your favorite piece that you ever composed you know they're all very special to you um yes dealt with lots uh, of um irate angry callers but that's talk radio so you get used to that I, I always like to say though, and, and I've got lots of fond memories. And uh, one time there was no uh, power to our studio lights on our morning television show. And we had to almost jimmy up little living room lights. It seemed we joked, we felt like we were around a, a campfire. I mean, so there's always situations where you don't know what's going to happen and you still have to be a professional. But I have to say my most memorable um, experience when I was live on location on the morning news and I was a few months pregnant. I'd like to think no one knew at the time. Uh, I'm sure looking back, people thought I was just getting a little chunky, but I would always go live on location to do different things. And on this particular day, I said, let's do ultrasound. Let's find out about ultrasound. And I'm going to have the ultrasound. So, you know, this is going back almost 25 years. So think about it. Now people see 3D ultrasounds and whatever else they can with their, their, babies to be. Um, but I I'll, will always remember that, that um, I was able to do an interview lying there while they had the jelly on my belly. And I'm for the first time seeing my, my what turned out to be my, my daughter. Um, so I, that is always memorable because um, I think what was great about the morning news in those early days is we were always trying something different. There was no morning television show at the time. And um, the audience thought that was pretty cool to be able to be at this Angela's ultrasound. And that was how I announced to the audience that I was pregnant. So that's always a memorable one. And um, yeah, I've, I've dealt with lots of serious, sad stories, floods, fires, but uh, that will always be very special and close to my heart. You describe yourself like the, you know, the central character in a soap opera of some description, <laughs> television drama almost. 
Um, and I do have one final question for you as well. So you might think on this one. Do you have a desert island disc? Do I have a desert island? Did you say disc? Yes, or a desert island. Let's say if you were stuck on a desert island, you were marooned somewhere and you could take your favorite musical album with you, whether it's a record or a CD, something like that. What might that be? Oh gosh, you know, <laughs> uh, I do, I, I tend to go to the 70s and 80s. I don't know if I was just locked in that period and I loved it. Um, but if I had to, it would have to be like a Fleetwood Mac or, um, or ABBA. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I don't think many people would argue with that. <laughs> yeah, I think I could enjoy my time on the desert island with that. Well, Angela, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, as a very first guest, I have to say, on my inaugural podcast, it has been a true honour to kick off the first episode chatting with a local legend in the city. I wish you all the very best for your family travels, hopefully in the future, and your off-road adventures. Thank you so much. We will definitely see you at choir practice someday, Jamie. Thanks for tuning in to the Serafi Versus Life podcast with me, Jamie Serafi. Remember, you can find past, present and future episodes on all major podcast platforms. Don't forget to follow me at facebook.com forward slash Serafi Versus Life for more quirky updates. Until next time, stay happy, stay sane.